Everybody, uh, welcome back to uh, my kind of solo series of uh, what I am still, for some reason, calling uh, "little scaries." Really, only just because I don't have a a better name for them. Either way, doesn't matter. Tonight, I am super, super excited uh, to be joined by a really awesome guest, super talented uh, writer, director. I mean, what else? What else can we say? Uh, Brantley Watts. Thank you, Brantley, for joining me. You're very welcome, and thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, so I've gotten to know Brantley uh, a little bit over the last few months. We we uh, worked together, but um, really, we just kind of bonded over our love of film and really, in generally, uh, just horror film. <laughs> we, we got uh, a lot in common, and so, of course, I was super excited to, to ask her to be on this podcast because this is, like, uh, very exciting. Um, yeah. So to start, I would love uh, to to find out, you know, kind of your uh, relationship with the with the genre. Like, how did you kind of get started into it? So I would say that uh, it started for me as a child, which is really disturbing, I guess. But um, I was the youngest of four kids, and I grew up on a farm, and my mom was really tired. And so there were clearly films that I should not have been able to watch. And I watched them anyway, through either my siblings or my mom, just getting tired of having to hear me whine about not being able to watch something I wanted to watch. She just kind of gave in. But the other thing is, is that as a, as a kid, I grew up with no cable TV. So I wasn't like watching 90210. I wasn't watching Saved by the Bell. Like I had like two, five, eight and 11 and that was it. Um, and believe it or not, Saved by the Bell did not come on any of those channels. So, you know, for me, uh, my main source of entertainment was either books or, or movies we would check out from the library or from like the local really crappy, you know, VHS video store. And I'm not talking blockbuster. I'm talking like hole in the wall kind of places, um, which surprisingly had a lot of horror films. Um, and so, so that's, that's partially where it started. Um, and you know, I, I'll tell you a funny story. My mom um, remembers, I was always a writer, like writing was my thing, but I would write really messed up stuff, like really disturbing things um, as a child specifically. So we had to write, I think this was fourth grade and a little essay, you know, and it had to be either write about your favorite animal, write about your, or write about your summer vacation. And so I combined the two and I wrote about a shark attack Again, I was like, what, like nine? And this story had like details like his bones. She could hear the sound of her bones crunching in the shark's mouth and blood pooled through the water. Like it was really descriptive. So they had all of these essays up at like parent teacher night. And my mom walked in and saw all these parents sitting around this one little essay, just like, oh my God, like whose kid is this? And mom walked up and it was mine. And I'd even like doodled like shark fins and blood. And um, she was really proud, <laughs> but she didn't want to admit that I was her kid. So she just kind of like walked on, you know, but she still, she still has that piece. So horror for me, I mean, my fascination with it for some reason started at a really, really young age. 
And I've also found that even films that are not in the horror genre that I really like, and in fact, that I make, um, I'm about to direct, I just wrote, and I'm, I'm going to direct my first horror, which I'm excited about, but, but my other work has elements. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I love suspense. I love tension. I like being on the edge of my seat, whether that's drama, thriller, or like those elements of storytelling are really amazing to me. For sure. And it, it's so interesting from my perspective as a horror fan, uh, the fact that you got started in it so early, like as a kid, because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. for me, I was scared of like everything as a kid. Like I was scared of the dark. I, I would always like see things in the shadows all the time. And so never in a million years would I have guessed that I would get into horror movies, much less start a podcast <laughs> about horror movies. Got and it. so it's fascinating that, that like, you were even comfortable with it back then. Well, you know? I mean, grow up like hunting with your dad when you're like really young and seeing that and like living in the middle of the woods and you get pretty comfortable with a lot, <laughs> I guess, you know? That's true. That's part you, of it. You, yeah. you probably saw some stuff early on. <laughs> did. I think I did. I was a little desensitized at a young age. It took yeah. me a while to get there, but I, I got there eventually. <laughs> got it. I'll let you introduce the movie since it was uh, your choice uh, of film uh, for this episode. Yeah, so I think, um, well, one, you said like people talk a lot about what the scariest movie they've ever seen is. And then also this is just a film. I, I, I think of this outside of even horror, um, although it is classically a horror film, but it's so much more than that. And that is William Friedkin's The Exorcist. 1973. 1973. Mm -hmm. And still holds up. So it does. It really does. So you you rewatched it today, you said. In, in I, I did. For the and episode, and I, I appreciate. think also, yeah, when you approached me about this, there's also just for anyone who's watching or listening, there is a documentary right now on Shudder called Leap of Faith. Um, the director of that film was also the same director that did 7852, which was the Hitchcock shower scene documentary. Yeah, you know that one, right? It's incredible. Whoa, it's an incredible okay. film. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, but he, he spent, yeah, I think he spent like, I can't remember how long because I've talked to him about this, but he spent like 10 days with William Friedkin and just interviewed him about faith, art, uh, you know, um, spirituality about storytelling, about sound design, anything you could think of. He interviewed him for this period of time and then put together this, this documentary. And it is focused on The Exorcist, but it's, you know, he, he dives a little deeper into that. And I watched that somewhat recently when it was on Shudder. Um, and it's, for anyone who hasn't seen it, if you really want to deep dive into The Exorcist, that's a film to watch. But I think it made me see that film, you know, The Exorcist on a different level. But in terms of fear. I have never had a film scare me as much as that film, which I did watch it as a child. Again, really messed up. I realized that my mother should have been watching me a little more, but I watched it as a kid. And um, I think that was the first time How that old? I really, you know, as a child, even thinking like spirituality is not something that you really even consider that much. I mean, your parents may or may not bring you to church. Your parents may or may not talk to you about, about God and the afterlife, but being confronted with the idea of one, like heaven and hell and death and just this tone of, um, 
doom that, that just pervades that film. Um, and then on top of it, the idea of something taking over your body and you being completely like no control whatsoever is a horrifying concept to me. Absolutely. Uh, and it's, it's interesting that you bring that part up because that was a big fear of mine as a childhood uh, in my childhood. Um, because my dad, yes, my dad was a, was a Baptist preacher mm-hmm. for 30 years. And he used to tell me stories like during the like crazy uh, Jesus movement back in the seventies, like all the like, you know, wild stories that I don't even necessarily know were true. But when right. he would tell me these stories, they scared the shit out of me as a kid. And so some of them talked about possession and stuff. And so that was like a valid fear as a kid. And so that just piled up on top. And then, yeah, eventually I wound up loving, you know, possession movies <laughs> later down the I, road. I honestly don't love possession movies. That's still like the element of, like I can watch supernatural movies of all sorts. I can watch slasher movies. Uh, um, possession specifically still freaks me out. And I think, you know, it might be due to the fact that I did watch The Exorcist as a child. Um, I think with The Exorcist in particular, the other thing that makes it so terrifying and so awful is that it is a child. And when you think about like something that is pure being defiled in this way, it makes it like 10 times more horrific. Um, And you know, it's based on a true story, right? Right, which always yeah. scary. <laughs> right, always so and I like I've read the book too, Peter Blatty's book, um, which which really stands up to the mm-hmm. film. Um, the book and the film are very similar. Peter Blatty actually wrote the screenplay, which William Friedkin evidently took some liberties with um, because he wanted to make it more like the book. And um, but Peter Blatty, who was uh, the the author, also was a producer on the film, and so he was very involved in a lot of the choices that were made. Um, and so, but yeah, I mean, the fact that it's based on a true story and I'm sure that they took a lot of liberties with the story, but it was a child, you know, it was a, a, the, the true story. It was a, it was a boy. Um, and nobody really Uh, knows what his name is. Um, they kept that, you know, obviously confidential, but, um, he, he, the whole movie and the book are based on this experience with this boy in the US that was possessed and had a number of exorcisms. Um, and that's terrifying as well. Yeah. It really is. The 70s seem like the scariest <laughs> decade ever. Uh, because some of the greatest, like, yeah, some of the greatest seems horror like films you, of all time were, were made in that, that time period. Me and Christian were, were talking about this recently um, about The Exorcist, actually, because mm-hmm. um, it's so different when you compare it to like modern horror movies like it it takes its time getting places like it's mm-hmm. it's not fast paced at all but it's no, still you don't even see so the scary demon until like right. after midway the midpoint of the movie you know what i mean like you don't really see right. her possessed you know in the beginning it's it's more her you think she's losing her mind you're watching you know uh father Karras um struggle with his faith you know and you're watching that build up and also understanding that um um, Ellen Burson's characters like dealing with her own struggles because she's just gotten separated like there's all these different internal struggles and they're all kind of mirrored and it just builds and builds and builds and that is something about 70s films one 
so I feel like a lot of modern horror films rely on obviously doing like CGI and vis effects, you know, in order to create scares. And that's just quite frankly, it's just not scary to me. To me, it's scarier, like the thing that exists that you don't necessarily see or having a slow build to something or really um, pushing suspension. Now you get a bunch of jump cuts and like, you know, shock value and, and like, even the way that some of these films are shot, like if you look at what William Friedkin did in the exorcist, and if you really look at those shots and if you look, and that's why I say like, it's a great film. It's not just a horror film. Um, there's a, there's a, this was in that documentary, but one of the things that they really talk about is how Friedkin was obsessed with this idea of ascension and descension right and and that's parallel to heaven and hell mm -hmm. so there's a moment when Karis like Damien Karis the younger priest walks up the stairs to go to Reagan at the very end and there's moments where you see right. his mother in a dream sequence come up the subway and then she turns around and goes down the subway and that's meant like the loss of his mother it's there's all this um symbology there's like um there's just, there's so much that, that he incorporated into the shots, like every shot, it's like Hitchcock, you know what I mean? Um, every single shot has a purpose. And that's something that you don't see in these mass produced modern horror films. Like they're not even really thinking about the shots other than, hey, this girl's butt looks really nice in the shot, or um, this should make people jump. You know, there's no like psychological, like real direction happening in a lot of these films. And, um, and unfortunately that's something I feel like we've lost and that's why you don't see a lot of horror films being nominated for awards or getting critical acclaim because all they are is, is entertainment. There's nothing beyond that. You really don't get the kind of like obsessiveness that, that the Hitchcock, the, the Friedkins, like they had with those movies. Cause you're right. There is mm -hmm. kind of right, like an right. a, a, attention to detail, like mm -hmm. in those kinds of movies that really doesn't happen that often. I mean, there's there's a few, you know, modern auteurs, you know, these days, but they're pretty rare, you're right. They are, and I think too, but you know what? At the same time, they are rare, but I do think we're seeing some changes in the horror genre. I think we have seen more films in the past few years. It Follows as an example. Um, I would say The, ba the Babadook, um, Suspiria, the new version, which some people will hate on me for liking a remake of Suspiria, but it wasn't still need to really see a it. remake. Right, exactly. Um, but it, it's a brilliant film. I'm sorry, but Luca mm -hmm. Guadagnino is amazing and brilliant. Um, I mean, I would even say some of Jordan Peele's films like Get Out, like you're seeing these films that are taking on larger themes within the horror and they're a little bit more thought out. Uh, there's more character development which is huge because most of the time in, in, in horror films, like you just get started right away and you care nothing about the characters. You know, they're completely plot driven. And I'm not saying that plot is bad. I'm just saying that character development is important too for you to really be invested in what happens. But to be um, fair, I think that there are a lot of people who don't go into the theater to care, if that makes sense. They don't necessarily true. want to care. Um, they're going to see something and be entertained, but... But again, um, we don't see very many horror films that are that are nominated for major awards, and there's a reason for that. But hopefully, that's going to no. change. Yeah, and I think I think we're you're right. I think we are seeing a change in the last few years, and and hopefully that continues. You know, I I 
obviously last year in 2020, I feel like I saw almost no horror movies and it was such a bummer. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited and hope, hope, hoping that 2021, you know, we'll be able to, to kind of get back into it and, and see yeah. all the ones we missed, frankly. <laughs> With everything going on in the world, I think that people, um, horror has always been a genre that allows us to talk about the things that we're afraid of, right? And examine fears and concerns and anxieties and considering that we've just had just a hellacious past you know, year, I think that maybe this will inspire people to create more. And I think it will. And I think it might make audiences hungry for that type of content, you know? We'll see. I do. Yeah. And I, I think, I, f- I feel like I'm also speaking, you know, on my own account, but I know for a fact that whenever theaters are going to be opened up again, mm-hmm. I feel like I am going to live at the movie theater, like permanently. <laughs> um, I, I know that there are theaters open and I'm really glad that they are open. And I'm glad that there are people who want to go into the theater. I am not comfortable with that yet. Um, and this, this is not me judging anyone me who is, you know what I mean? I'm glad that there are people who are comfortable because I want theaters to stay in business. Um, I did just see the Alamo draft house just filed bankruptcy, um, which is sad. Um, I know I just saw it online. Yep. So Alamo draft house is bankrupt. So, you know, it's important for us to support theaters and I'm glad some people are doing that now, but I agree with you that as soon as we're able it's going to be like every weekend, like what movie are we going to see? You know, I don't even care if it's terrible. I'm willing to go and sit in a theater and eat popcorn and watch something on the big screen. So I'm with you. Truly. And, and especially with, with horror movies, especially there is something about that theater experience, like in seeing this, the scares big, you know? Yeah. Especially if it's a, if it's a beautiful film visually right? Um, Like I think about It Follows was actually like incredibly beautiful. The color palette was beautiful. Um, Suspiria I saw in the theater and I am so glad that I had the opportunity to see it. Um, I don't know if you would qualify Mandy as a horror. Do we qualify Mandy as, what is Mandy? Is it a horror? Yeah. For sure. Um, sure. But that's an incredibly beautiful film, you know, and I'm so glad I got to see it in the theater. It's beautiful. Again, you know, I'm, we've talked about this before Colby, but I just, I really don't understand why it wasn't nominated at least for best cinematography. Um, Sound design was incredible in that film as well. Um, Maybe not. Well, I don't know. Andrea Riseborough, I could see being nominated for her performance. I don't, I don't know that I would nominate Nicolas Cage for his performance. Although it was Christian Wood, my co-host Wood. (laughs) I mean, it was something special. Oh, for sure. It was real special, but award. (laughs) I mean, I don't, I don't know if we could give him like an Academy Award for that, but um, I do want to see horror taken more seriously. I want to see it as a genre taken more seriously. And I do think like Get Out got got like one for what? Best screenplay, right? Didn't it win an Oscar for best? Screenplay? I think it won for best screenplay. Yeah, but like we we aren't yeah. really seeing like that's the only film that I can think of recently as a horror that's been nominated for a, for an award like that. Um, and there have been really great films since then. We haven't, you know. Um, Hereditary got snubbed basically for the Oscars, and it was an incredible film, right? I think Midsummer was yeah. the more I've watched Midsummer several times, and the the every time I watch it, I like it even more. 
Is this bad that we're not even talking about the exorcist anymore? Should we talk about the exorcist? No, anymore? no, not at all. Okay. I know I'm just no, getting off. For sure. We've, we've like, already talked about, about the exorcist. Horror as a genre. The other thing I do want to say, yeah. and this does tie into the exorcist. When we think about, and this is again, like my, my soapbox on horror and why it's not a terrible film genre. When you think about film directors who don't typically make horror films, Luca Guadagnino, right? Um, Roman Polanski, I know we hate him, but he's made some great films, but we hate him. Um, yeah. Stanley Kubrick, William Friedkin is another example, perfect example. Um, yep. Right, so like you've got Rosemary's Baby, you've got The Shining, you've got The Exorcist, you've got uh, Suspiria, you've got some of these films that we see as being some of the best horror films that have ever been made. And they were made by directors who don't typically make horror films. And they didn't approach those films with that horror mindset. And I think that if we see more directors stepping into that zone, we could see more and more amazing films, right? Um, which is one I, of the reasons I why agree, I want to yeah. here. You know, like taking, a, you know, like again, like William Friedkin had started out doing documentary. And, and this is not just his film. This is not, I mean, not just The Exorcist, but like, even if you look at like the French Connection, he approached it very much like a documentary. Sometimes his cinematographer would just like come in the room and turn the camera on and just start shooting. And this is for French Connection and The Exorcist. I think he did the same thing for Cruising. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's incredible. But he would just let the cameraman just yeah. roll, right? Just roll and whatever happens, happens. And, um, and, you know, you ended up getting this really organic feeling, hyper-realistic shot um, that just immerses the audience into the content. You forget you're watching a film. And I think that that's one of the things that makes him so brilliant. But again, he takes that and he approaches horror in that way, which is not what you typically do in a horror film, right? In the 70s, you know, when you're watching other horror films, like you're not that's not the way that they were they were shot that's not the way that they were edited and i think that's again one of the things that make the exorcist so incredible for sure for sure absolutely um you brought up an interesting interesting point about you know non-horror directors directing horror movies and then them wind up being amazing so i have a question mm -hmm. uh what and this is just kind of your opinion mm -hmm. uh what non-horror director currently would you like to see kind of branch out into that genre a little bit and see what they can do because because that that I'm thinking about it as well so I will try to have an answer too <laughs> you know it's funny because I think about my my favorite directors have done thrillers but not straight up horrors um actually I take that back okay I got one for you Jeff Nichols I would want to see how Jeff Nichols would approach a horror film Jeff Nichols did mud he did loving um he's I think he's one of the best directors out there and he has a very subtle approach. He's very, very subtle in his filmmaking choices, but when things happen in the film, it has that much more meaning. And I, I think it would be interesting to see how he would approach a horror film. And the other person I would say is Andrea Arnold. Andrea Arnold directed American Honey. And she also directed um, Shark. I think it was the second season of Big Little Lies, which a lot of people don't like that season, but that's not her fault. There's a whole thing there. Andrea Arnold is, is an absolutely amazing British director. But again, um, she has a very like documentary style where she uses a lot of non-actors. 
Um, people say that American honey kind of reminded them of kids. Who's yours? Uh, once you said Jeff Nichols, it's hard to think of anything else because that is such a perfect answer. Mm -hmm. Like truly, because once you said that, I immediately agreed with you and immediately wanted to see a Jeff Nichols horror movie because I love him. He's an incredible director. Mm -hmm. And I would love to see his, you know, attention to, to character and, and, you know, depth of character yeah. applied and, and to that again, genre. I that, think it would be amazing. He has that real subtlety in his filmmaking. It's not over the top. And I think like that would make an interesting horror that would be very different than a lot of the things that we're seeing today. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm just going to steal your answer because I agree okay, with you. you and I can't think of a better one. He's amazing. Um, he really is. You mentioned that you are currently working on a horror movie. Um, where might people be able to find uh, what you've done so far? Um, in your, in your other, uh, uh, let's see. I, I have a Vimeo page. Um, if you find me, it's I'll post the link. I'll, I'll have I'll have okay. the link. In the, yeah, uh, Brantley Jackson Watts. I've only got a few of my films that are that are up in public right now because of film festival stuff mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, I had a film. Oh, actually, um, I just had two of my films. Um, there is uh, Arts ATL just did something called Synchronicity. Uh, I'm sorry, Serendipity. <laughs> Synchronicity. That's the theater that's closed by Scott. <laughs> Um, Serendipity. Arts ATL uh, partnered with um, Fulton County to do a grant for existing filmmakers in Atlanta. And I had two films get um, get accepted. So if you go to Arts ATL's website, you can actually go and find all of those films. And some of the films are really incredible. So I would encourage anyone who's watching or listening to look into that. But um, both Spoon and Birthday Cake are two of the films that I have that are in that. Um, in that. And then I have a, another film called Crush that is, uh, we finished this film or we made the film a while ago, but kind of set it aside and now we're finishing it. Um, it needed some VFX work and we needed to do another sound mix on it. And um, we're hoping to submit that to festival soon. So hopefully you'll see that in a festival. Um, and then uh, there's another film called AKA Blondie, which is a feature documentary. Um, and that you can also find on Vimeo. Awesome. Perfect. I will post all of those links because awesome. of, I haven't seen everything you've done, but I've, you've shown me a, a lot of your work and it's all so good. Like oh, I'm so you. excited to see more. Oh, thank um, you. And es especially I'm excited to, to, to hear your horror idea um, because I'm sure it's going to be very exciting oh, and I'm going to want to read whatever, you, whatever you have. I'm going to want to read it. Okay. So if you need if if you need some some readers or something, I, I do. Would be happy to. <laughs> I do. I'm actually I've got um I think one more pass on the script and then I'm gonna be ready to share with a few people for feedback. Um, because yes. that's always great to have. Um and it's it's getting there. Um I felt really discouraged after writing the first draft because normally I'm writing highly emotional things that are super character driven, and this is a little different for me. Um, and I hated it. And then by the next pass, I was like, actually, okay, this could be good. This could be, this could be great. And then now I'm at my third pass and I have some more ideas on how to make it even better. I'm used to my first draft of something being a lot stronger, I guess. Um, because I think that I tend to gravitate towards character-driven writing. 
Um, that's my comfort zone, we'll say. And this is, it's just different, you know, but it's, it's, it's getting to where I'm feeling a lot better about it. And I'm excited to shoot. It's going to be fun to shoot. It's going to be so fun to shoot. So, yeah. I bet. I bet. Mm -hmm. I I'm excited to find out about it and, uh, and I wish you the best of luck. I mean, I'll, we're friends. So obviously we'll we'll come PA for me. On a weekend, Honestly, I could use the experience. Hey, I could use the listen, experience. Sure, why not? <laughs> I can always use PAs, 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 PAs. Like I can always use help. And I, I mean, this is going to be. I think we're going to try to shoot for spring or summer to shoot it. Um, I'm hoping, and hopefully, COVID will at least most people will be vaccinated and it'll be a little safer. I'm, I'm hoping, um, but that would be the ideal time to shoot it anyway yep. because of the story. So yeah, we'll see. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you again. I, I hear Merle in the background. Uh, he's, he's ready demon. to be let loose. Mm -hmm. uh, you're honestly, if and this might be a good way to end. If you would like to reveal Merle for the audience, they might want to see his face. One moment. He kind of okay, looks great. like Kazuzu, the demon like statue from the movie. Anyway, <laughs> except for he's got big ears. Hang on. Hang on. Let me get him. I'm very excited for uh, the the people who are watching this video and not uh, listening to it on the podcast. So if if you happen to be listening to it right now, um, go watch the video. Oh my goodness! This is Merle. Hello, Merle. Why don't you look at the camera? Face the camera. Oh, are you happy? Do you not the, like the underbite? He's like, I don't know what you're doing, but this feels odd. But you're you're showing me off. You're doing something weird with me. Get closer. Get closer, buddy. <laughs> he doesn't like it. Uh, on that note, okay. Thank you so much for hanging out with me and talking through through these movies. I appreciate it. Of course, this was fun. This was fun. I always will talk right. about movies that made me like pee my pants when I was a kid, and my shark story, my embarrassing like weird kid writing stuff yeah well I'll, I, I will make sure to bring you on for another episode okay Merle too. um of course merle will be a, a featured guest of yes. course so th thank you everybody for listening and uh have a good one